Welcome to Future Pulse, a podcast series brought to you by IPI, your innovation partner for impact. Together, we will explore how ideas, creativity, and collaboration drive impactful innovation. Welcome to this episode of Future Pulse, Overcoming Adversity to Succeed. I'm Yvonne Chan, and I'm joined by Amanda Ku, Director of Nepo International, and Zoe Tong, Founder and CEO of Octimate. Welcome, ladies. Throughout this podcast series, we have explored factors that make for successful businesses, but success comes with many challenges and hurdles along the way. So for this particular episode, I want to hear your stories. What hiccups and roadblocks were encountered during your company's innovation journeys and what key tips you can share with others in the industry today? Uh, but first, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself and your respective companies. So, Amanda? Oh, uh, I think more the company, Nippo has been around since 1980s so or 41, uh, middle-aged company. <laughs> uh, we've started uh, in, in the 80s to kind of ride on the HDB boom and um, mainly a liquid applied coating. 20 years ago, we decided to take an OEM route, uh, basically private labels. And, um, and to allow us more time to focus on our core strength with this man- manufacturing and uh, research. And... Um, you know, wanting to do manufacturing, you need to have more range of products. So, you know, innovation becomes the only way forward. So that's where we are today. As about me, I, I'm I'm pretty much um, love moving around different jobs and the, the advantage of having so many jobs in the few years I have um, gave me a lot of exposure in different skills, you know, yeah, so... I I like what you say there, a middle-aged company. And so the only way forward is to innovate, right? The company has been around for about 40 years. Uh, Zoe. Okay. So contrary to Amanda, Octomate is actually only born two years ago. So we're really like a young baby. A baby. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, still crying and trying to make your way around the world. And uh, yeah, so a a quick introduction. So I'm the co-founder of Octomate. And I look after the business side of things in the company. But really, in a startup environment, you know, like a crying baby, the truth is that everyone wears the multiple and different hats. So I used to be a consultant, a management consultant. And one day, I decided to actually just take the plunge to quit my 9 to 5 stable job and start a startup from scratch. So I don't think this is something that happened overnight. Like, I just wake up and boom, I send in my resignation letter. It's more like this park that's like within me for a long, long time where I always knew I wanted to do something of my own, something that could create impact in this world we live in. So that was how Octomate came about two years ago. And today, uh, we are one-stop workforce management software with over 2,000 daily active users where we help companies fully automate their HR processes. So while it can be used for white-collar workers to manage their leave and expenses, our main target is actually the gig workforce where they can get rostered, they can clock in and out on a solution and get paid instantly as soon as their work ends. That's really pretty uh, innovative and very refreshing, right? Uh, getting paid, like insta-pay. Uh, in this day right. and age. Right. <laughs> Very cool. And I do like your both your analogies of 
a middle-aged company, right? Just uh, still staying relevant as well as uh, this uh, infant startup navigating uh, its way around the world. Amanda, you've said before that innovation, it is a, a more creative way to differentiate ourselves rather than competing with others on price for a similar solution because you end up with price wars and no one benefits from that. So given the exponential pace of innovation that's happened over the last few years, mm. how is Nepo International still keeping pace on this front? I mean, keeping pace with innovation is difficult. There are so many things happening around you that you, you, you can't quite say, you know, you want to do this and then you worry about you not doing something else. Um, I think one of the things that we learned in the, in the last 20 years for as long as I've been with Nipo, I, I learned one thing is talk to as many people as you can. Um, everybody will tell you, uh, do this, do that. Whether it's relevant or irrelevant, I think you, you, you go in with an open mind. Um, don't pigeonhole an idea, you know, oh, the, this idea is only for one particular function or one particular usage don't pigeonhole that um take everything uh you no know, don't have your blinders on uh, basically and then um you know of course uh, when you get down to it manage your costs um well i think one important thing we learn through the whole journey is don't do it alone it's not research is not cheap it doesn't mm -hmm. come cheap right don't do it alone it's going to uh drag the whole journey even longer. Uh, it's going to burn your, your limited resources. It's going to burn you out as a person. Um, so spread that risk. Um, and another thing that we learned through all this, I mean, the many, a lot of our success uh, that, that we come across, uh, we have today, uh, a lot of it come about because we have very good relationship with the researchers. So that trust element is, is very important. So, yeah, so these are some of the things that we learn along the way that uh, helps us continue on this journey. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly a lot of things to unpack there. You say talk to as many people as you can. Uh, don't pigeonhole the type of business uh, that you're in. Get rid of your blinders and definitely spread the risk, right? Don't do it alone because research can be very expensive. And this brings us back to... Uh, the tenets of um, the purpose of this podcast series, really, it's like the call to open innovation, right, where you need to reach out for partnerships in order to to grow, to expand, and to get the resources that you lack. Uh, um, Zoe, how essential is it for a company to have in this current environment, a very clear understanding of its core competency. I mean, why did you choose to pair then blockchain technology with workforce management under Octomate? So I think to your first question, mm. it is, I think, really important for a company to have a well-defined core competency and to understand it thoroughly. Because when you know what your company is good at, you can use it to base off your subsequent decisions. So for example, where you should play in, in which market, in which segment, in which target group, and which angle are you approaching the market with. So in Automate's case, right, the thing about general HR software is that it is very much a red ocean where the market is extremely saturated and competitive. If we just become another HR software out there, there so many. we would very yeah. quickly, yes, exactly, we would very quickly die off. So there is no way, you know, within like just two years, we could compete with companies out there with 20, 30 years of history and, you know, 5,000 more features in the code base and still be able to thrive. 
So in our case, we needed to find a core competency that could keep us fighting as the underdog, like you know in David and Goliath. And that was when we identified use cases to pair blockchain technology with workforce management. So when many people hear about blockchain for the first time, they tend to associate it with cryptocurrencies such as your Bitcoins, your Ethereum. But in our case, we use blockchain in an enterprise setting where we use it for our technology stack and to encrypt key data for additional security. Yeah, that's that's really key, isn't it? Uh, blockchain, that added level of uh, security because it's immutable as well. And I was probably one of those that when you mentioned uh, Bitcoin, I oh, know crypto. Did I say that that right? Um, blockchain, first thing that came to mind, crypto and Bitcoin. But there's so much more that goes beyond that. Um, but coming back to the title of our episode today, overcoming adversity to succeed. I want to know from you both what were some of the biggest adversities you faced on this innovation journey and how were these hurdles overcome or you know surmounted amanda i i don't think some there's you know, times you got to recognize that not every hurdle can be overcome we just keep going sometimes the word we use internally is bulldoze you just keep bulldozing <laughs> <laughs> i like yes, that word <laughs> because sometimes there's just no way out you just gotta just try and try um because we're in manufacturing a lot of times uh, the researchers when they when they do a a certain research or certain technologies at lab scale bringing it to to uh, from one 100 gram to 100 kilo is, is, is a totally different concept. Uh, so that, that was something that, uh, you know, we, we, we learned. Um, it's not, not so straightforward, eh? we, we like mm -hmm. to know. Um, not knowing what the, 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 the future entails, whether this research will turn out the way you want it. Um, one, one thing that we always uh, kick ourselves is not knowing when to stop. When a research has not is not successful when the research is hit is the, the, the dead end and you you keep thinking that no maybe that's not the dead end let's keep moving i think that that is sometimes also very painful for us we, we got to learn that oh. there are certain times that you really just have to let it go and move on to the next one um right. yeah and then of course managing cost um again managing costs like i said our, you know, don't do it alone go with the mm. research people go with the big brains I think that 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 will save you a lot of heartache and headache. Um, I I one of the points that you mentioned is really very poignant. You know, knowing when to stop. Right, it's not like uh, flogging a dead horse, but knowing that when it's time to call it quits. Uh, I think it can be very painful and also very humbling. Uh, Zoe, did you encounter something similar? Some of these challenges that Amanda mentioned, although she is in a different industry from you. Yes, so it's really quite interesting how we are in drastically different industries, yes. you know, OEM and software. But we face the same challenges and the same approach, you know, just bulldoze your way through. <laughs> so in our, in our case, mm. software development is never perfect. In every release deployment, which could solve bug number one, two and three, would create like new bugs four, five and six. So this is when the solution so, creates more problems. Yeah. Yes, correct. With every release that you deploy. Because this is due to like code complexity and how different functions are interlinked with one another. So sometimes fixing something would then break something else. 
So sometimes, you know, it becomes like this disastrous domino where a fix for bug number one would impact function two, which goes on to impact function three and so on. Sounds like a nightmare. How do you wake up from it? What do you do? You don't wake up because you're awake. <laughs> you can't sleep because of it. <laughs> yeah, same, same problems. Same problems. Mm-hmm. So this can, you know, all get very overwhelming and demoralizing yeah. very quickly, especially exactly. when you are doing something at the forefront and you do not really have any playbooks or cheat codes to refer to. So along the way, really learn is just to bulldoze and it's all about progress and not perfection. The only way is really to push forth and so long you are better off than yesterday, even if mm. it's just by a t- tiny bit, you're already one step more towards where you want to be. I, I hear, yes, Amanda echoing what you just said, Zoe, and it sounds like it really takes a lot of grit, um, sheer determination to continue to bulldoze and, you know, move move away from what has failed. And uh, like what you said, it is about progression and uh, not perfection because no one, nothing is perfect, isn't it? Amanda, every product has a creative lifespan, right? And when you sense that Nepo's coatings were nearing the end of the product life cycle, uh, I understand that you felt that there was a need to future-proof your business. So when your company first embraced the concept of an open innovation, how hard was it to find like-minded or maybe complementary collaborators? Was that a big challenge for you? Um, we don't particularly go out to look for a complementary collaborator or a specific person because um, a lot of time uh, we chance upon a particular technology when it's not meant for what we are looking to do. Uh, it doesn't know if it makes sense. So I'll give you an example, right? We were looking at um, uh, uh, a food packaging business. Now you wonder what has food packaging to do with the liquid applied coating, right? So in a food packaging business, it was to, to keep uh, food uh, fresh, uh, not so much uh, uh, moisture contamination and air contamination. Then we went into the, we were the only company in, 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 in liquid applied coatings in that hold. Everybody else was a, was a big MNC in food packaging. Then, the scientists were saying, why are you in here? I said, oh, because we believe that if you can keep the food fresh, you can do the same for your house. Right? So, so going, uh, one of the things that it, 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 we don't go out particularly looking for a specific technology, but we look at what is out there and try to steer that, techno- that research into, the, into a product, hopefully, that we, we, we can use for our industry. So uh, the, 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 the thing is, um, we, we, we know we don't have the brain to go alone. Uh, we, we work with a lot of you know, people like ASTAR and through IPI, for example. IPI was a really uh, nice uh, you know, matchmaker, I call them. They, they went out and then introduced us to new research in the market, uh, brought us to, to new institutions that we didn't know could be helping SMEs. So yeah, so these are the things that we do to help us explore new technologies in the market. Yeah, IPI has helped so many enterprises um, find the right partners, but uh, it kind of ties back, what you just said ties back to your earlier business ethos, right? Talk to as many people as you can because you never know what kind of synergies and opportunities could come up in your conversations. Uh, Zoe, Octimate. Octimate, I understand, is supported by many different well-established organizations, right? Um, 
the middle-aged organizations, maybe as we, you know, coming back to that analogy of an infant, um, an infant startup. So I want to know from you right now, as a startup, what challenges were encountered in getting your ideas across? You know, when you have to talk to the big boys, for instance. Mm-hmm. So as with every idea in the starting phase, you know, just like how every kid talks to their parents, there will always be like some naysayers at the very first instance. And this also holds true in Octomate's case. So furthermore, we were using blockchain, which is a relatively new technology in the market with limited use cases back then. So when we first started pitching the idea across, we received a whole lot of questions on why blockchain. We had to constantly defend our idea and justify why we wanted to do things this way. So to be really honest, it didn't feel too good being constantly challenged and having to convince people. But later on, we realized that this is really part and parcel of starting up. I mean, if you are not thoroughly convinced of your own idea, who will be, right? So sometimes you can have good ideas that fail because of bad execution and great ideas that fail just because it remains stuck in the head. So the key is really to persevere and again, I think, bulldoze if you really believe in what you are doing. And once you can show some initial success to justify and also inspire people with what you want to achieve, then you will start to get buy-in not just, you know, from fellow babies, but also the big boys and the middle-aged companies. So I think to really put it across simply, once you have people and organizations onboarded with the why, then the funding and the resources is really just the mechanics to enable it to happen. Very sound advice there, getting the uh, the partners of the big boys onboarded with your why. So it also circles back to your first uh, answer during our conversation today, and that, that is why it's so important to have a very clear understanding of your core competency, your company's core competency, and be able to push that idea through. Uh, I also want to know now, ladies, as a ballpark, how many rounds of failure did your company undergo for every <laughs> round of success? Come, give me some numbers, right? I mean, our overcoming count. adversity to <laughs> succeed. So, <laughs> so bad as that. Uh, I think for me, we, we, we try not to look at the, the failures. I think it, it makes you, uh, it, it's not very uh, helpful for the journey. You know, if you look at the whole, as, whole thing as a journey, mm-hmm. I think we like to, the, the count our successes, count no matter how successes, small, yeah. yeah. Rather than count, you know, just count that success, and, and that is a real booster because you go, okay, I have a little success here, and then let's count my next one and my next one, and and what what you're looking for is is the 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 the, the shorter gap between each success, you know, and I think that's more fun than trying to see how many the goal as planned. Well, you've said so, before, don't be afraid of failure, right? Yeah, but you know, not. I think it's not when you count your success. You're not. It's not because you're afraid of failure. It's just that you you're trying to look at what the overall picture. I think getting to where you want to go. Getting to the end goal. But yeah, yeah. Although it's 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 a journey, not a destination. But you, you know, focus on where where you want to go, and and just ignore the failures. Of course, you must learn from it. You know, don't don't waste every failure and say, oh, I fail. I'm going to sit there and sulk. No, but focus. Focus on the success, focus on the journey, but learn from your failures. I think it's important. Um, yeah, I think I think the important thing though, I, I think a lot of people forget to, to tell us when we were learning is 
uh, soak up the success, enjoy it, enjoy the success. Uh, pop a little champagne, even if you have no champagne, pop beer, a beer and enjoy Celebrate it. Celebrate yourself. <laughs> yes. Celebrate your small wins. Yeah, even I mean, yes, yeah. the little wins, yeah. Zoe, thank you, Amanda. Uh, um, Zoe, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Okay, so to me, I think failure is a hypothetical word. I think of it, you know, success is like, okay, having this choice of three doors that you would like to enter and only behind one door, there lies that pot of gold, for lack of a better term, right? But every failure where you choose the wrong door kind of reduces that probability where you can find the correct door. So every failure actually points you towards the success if, in a manner words, you learn from that failure because it's a lesson learned that will propel you towards the right direction, towards finding that correct door to open ultimately. Yeah, I think very well said, Zoe. Yeah. You, you ladies are giving me very wonderful analogies today. I'm thinking of opening doors and hoping I get that door with a pot of gold and, you know, old and young companies. But Zoe, on that note, how do you intend to continue differentiating Octimate in this very competitive, very lively blockchain landscape? I mean, if, if I had to ask you to highlight some common mistakes made by similar startups today, what would that be? Okay, so I once learned from a mentor that the key to differentiation is really a four-letter word, P-A-I-N, P-A-I-N, pain. So by solving important pain points of clients in a better or faster or cheaper way, you are effectively differentiating yourself against your competitors. So in our case, um, in software development, we are continuously working very closely with our clients to build new features and enhancements to solve their pain. We are always building, but we build deliberately. So we co-create roadmaps with our clients and have, te- have them beta test new features. So this helps us stay close to the market needs and remain relevant and differentiated. So this sticks to your next point on some common mistakes by similar startups. So back to the world of like software development, so developers would tell you any day that anything and everything can be coded and completed. So this is technically true, where you can actually really build any features that you can think of. So as a product-focused startup, it gets very easy to fall into this development pit hole. So you start building feature A, and then you realize, oh, I can also build feature B, feature C, feature D, and so on. At the end of the day, you end up with a product with 1,000 features, but 90% of the time, only the top 10 features are being used. So we have also fallen into that trap before, but then we quickly realized that we have to reshuffle our priorities and focus together with our clients to co-create and co-develop. So instead of building all and every feature that we can think of, we work with our clients to identify what they would use the most. So we focus on the 10% of the features that deliver 90% of the value, rather than you know 90% of the features that deliver 10% of the value. So we have to pick our battles, right? As a baby, you can't be calling everywhere. That's true. Coming back to yeah. the baby uh, analogy again, but I really like that. Having Focusing on uh, 10% of the problems that delivers 90% of the value and co-creating that roadmap with your client in order to figure out where their pain points are and then solve them. All right, pain relief for them. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Uh, Amanda, you want to comment on that too? Do you have a I similar approach? Very, yeah, very similar because from what Zoe said, we, 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 you know, when we go and uh, research, uh, looking for new ideas, one of the things that we always do is 
talk to the customers, right? When I said earlier, talk to as many people as you want, as you can. Uh, when you talk to the customers, you know what the market is looking for. You look, you know what the market pain points are, the, the pain are, and and you go uh, you, when you start looking for new ideas, uh, you try to you know solve or cure that pain. So that's something that we do very similar. I mean, from what Zoe has said earlier, very similar in our approach. I see a lot of synergies between the two of you and as well as I think values, very similar values uh, between Zoe and Amanda. So ladies, uh, to sum up our conversation today, what would be the top two lessons or pieces of advice you would have for other companies on similar paths to your respective uh, industries? Amanda. Um, I think one of the things that we do as a company is uh, uh, be open-minded about technology. Don't don't pigeonhole. Again, coming back to the same thing, don't pigeonhole. Um, always question uh, what if you take this technology and put it in a different area. That the what if and the why's and the what and the who's uh, is always being uh, uh, is always popping out in our brain in our mind uh, whenever we come across a new technology. So. Uh, see beyond the application of each research that is being presented. Uh, don't just pigeonhole everything. Um, yeah, so be open-minded uh, and talk again, talk to as many people as you can. Get rid of those blinders. Talk to as many people as you can. Um, that's actually a very simple advice, but not many that, uh, I think many people forget about that, you know, just staying open-minded and just seeing where uh, this idea or this technology can be applied. Uh, thank you, Amanda. Zoe? I would say that there's a lot of lessons, but if I were to really crystallize down to the key ones, it's especially when you are in an early stage startup and you are really rowing into the deep sea. <laughs> Another analogy there. On this quest... <laughs> to find this exotic island somewhere, right? And along the way, you will face issues like the sampan sinking. There's this unexpected hole or these unexpected weather conditions. And all these are uncertain. Like nobody would expect that COVID would yeah. just hit the world suddenly, right? But what's certain is really the people you bring with you on board the sampan, right? Get the right people on the sampan before you sail away. Even if it starts leaking somewhere in the middle of the deep sea, you have the confidence that the right capabilities can help to patch the hole. With the right team, I would say that almost all obstacles can be overcome. It's really having that attitude and that resilience and that greed and also alongside the capabilities for you to resolve these problems on the go. So that was one piece of advice there, get the right team. What about the second one? So the second piece of advice ties back to the example from just now on the three doors. So cliche as it sounds, right, don't be afraid to try new things. I think there is really no failure or shame in that. Even if you hypothetically fail, it will still be a success before, because you would have learned something from it and that will propel you towards your next idea or milestone. So don't be afraid to like dream big and just try. Um, Amanda, that was a very resounding yeah from you. I know teamwork, yeah. getting having the right team uh, along with you for this journey is also yeah. very important to Nepo International, isn't it? Yeah, I think the, having the right team to the people who believe in you. I mean, of course, you have the naysayers who say, no, no, you shouldn't do this. But everybody comes uh, with, with the same purpose and, and think that's important. Everybody comes with a different set, skill set, but they, we all have, we all share the same dream. 
And, and that's important. And you acknowledge that everyone have a different skill set. You get there, you get there, definitely. You it get seems there. like just having the right team with uh, various capabilities will be able to help a company, a young company or a middle-aged company overcome uh, any adversity to succeed. Thank you so much, Amanda and Zoe, for your very candid conversation with me today. You've both shared many key learnings, which will certainly enable others in the industry to learn and grow. Uh, so, uh, one key insight from Amanda for me was really not to waste a failure, to learn from the mistake and to also remember to celebrate your success. Success, no matter how small the win, may, the win may be, and to get rid of uh, some of these blinders that we may have. And from Zoe, uh, one key phrase that you said uh, that really resonated with me it was, "It is about the progress and not the perfection. As long as we are better today than we were tomorrow, that's already a win right there." Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much. You. I'm Yvonne Chan. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time for another exciting and insightful episode.